Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast. I am Alberto Ligi, your host from London. And as our regular listeners know, the purpose of the podcast is to inspire global listeners to be more philanthropic, to act more sustainably, and to embrace social entrepreneurship. And before we kick things off, please do subscribe to the podcast. It makes a really big difference for us. Today, I'm really excited to have two guests on board. We have John Rosser, who is the CEO of World Child Cancer, and also Professor Lorna Renner, who works with World Child Cancer as well. She's based in Ghana, while John is in London. And Lorna is a, a medical doctor, a pediatric consultant oncology based in Ghana. So a big welcome to both of you. Thank you. It's Thank great you. to be Great. What's your organization all about? So World Child Cancer exists to support uh, and help the treatment of children with cancer in developing countries, in low and middle income countries. And what drives us to do that is the disparity in survival rates. Childhood cancer has become an increasingly curable, survivable illness in countries in Europe and America and and developed countries now, 80, 85% of children who get cancer now recover and survive it. But in the countries we work in, that's maybe 10% that survive and the rest will therefore die and will, will in many cases die without even having got a diagnosis so they don't even get into the chance of treatment. Uh, so that disparity is what drives us to try and even the odds for these children and to, to, to get them the care and the treatment that can make the difference between them being able to survive and go on and lead their lives. When did it start? When did the organization start? We were founded about 11 years ago. The guy who founded us, Jeff Thacker, uh, worked in childhood cancer in the UK and went to a conference in Bangladesh. And while he was there, he went to visit the hospital and saw children with brain tumors just being treated with paracetamol because that's all they had. Mm. And he came away just so horrified at this that he gave up his job and decided to found World Child Cancer, which he did. And so we've sort of grown from that beginning into an organization that now works across a number of countries trying to to improve the treatment children get. I notice you're in, in many more countries than Bangladesh. Cameroon, Ghana, Indonesia, Kenya, Mexico, Philippines. Yes, so we now work in about 12 countries. And as we grow, we, we will see those, the numbers of countries we can, we can support growing. And, and the way that we work is that what we do is we twin hospitals in developed countries with those in the developing countries that are trying to treat children. And then doctors and nurses from the developed countries give their time as volunteers and will go out to do training and capacity building. And we'll also do lots of stuff online on Skype and and so on in order to support the treatment of the children. And in that way, we can build up local services with, with local doctors in them that are capable of treating childhood cancer And then having done that in uh, what is usually one of the big teaching hospitals in the country, which is the one most likely to be able to do it to start with. And then we try and move out from there into more regional hospitals across the countries so that gradually we spread the, the availability of treatment. Yeah, fascinating. Lorna, how long have you been with, the, uh, with your organization and how did you 
come to be a, a trustee of World Child Cancer and, um, and lead their initiatives in Ghana? Yes, um, actually I'm the project lead for the project in Ghana and as you rightly said, on the board of trustees. Um, I've actually known, um, been with, well, working closely with World Child Cancer for the past nine years, since 2010. Mm -hmm. um, I actually approached one of their past trustees, but he's a patron of World Child Cancer, Professor Tim Eden, mm -hmm. um, early 2010, because I, mm -hmm. I'd heard about World Child Cancer, and knowing he was on their board, I wanted to see whether they would be willing to come and join us in Ghana and work and help to improve childhood cancer outcomes here because um, I had heard of what they've been doing elsewhere. And yes, they did come over to Ghana and since October 2010, they started supporting um, us here. And it's it's been, yeah, a good uh, relationship since then. And um, we realized that we had quite a number of challenges, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, late presentation because of general lack of awareness and then also the costs of treatment and the quality of drugs and also very few people trained in pediatric oncology to give the the kind of care that is required so um world child cancer yes has supported us remarkably throughout these years um mainly raising awareness amongst the general public and they've the good thing about World Child Cancer is um, they've worked together with our Ministry of Health and Ghana Health Service mm -hmm. and, and with the hospital administrations. And also, they it's not a question of them coming from, let's say, a developed country, UK, and dictating what has to be done. But then, rather, it's from bottom top. We are the ones who say what we think we need and how we can improve our services. And then, together, we agree on what's what should be done, yes, in the countries. Wonderful. So it's a very collegial approach. Very much so. And tell me, what is the state of affairs in Ghana? How dire is the situation? Yes. Okay. Well, um, Ghana is in uh, West Africa, and uh, well, we have about 29 million people, with 40% of them under the age of 15 years. So that's quite a large population of young children who are at risk of getting cancer. Would expect at least a thousand to thousand two hundred cases of childhood cancer to report a year, but we only have two comprehensive childhood cancer centres, and between the two of us, we see about three hundred to three fifty children a year. So you can imagine almost uh, more than two thirds of the children don't even reach our centres. So geographical access is an issue, and then also um, those who do come uh, because of late presentation. So a lot of them present uh, advanced stages for which we might only be able to offer some uh, what we call palliative care just to ease the pain and the discomfort. But the other thing is that those that we can treat, there are sometimes limitations because our treatment for childhood cancer is not covered under our national health insurance scheme in Ghana. So World Child Cancer has been supporting us with funds for diagnostics to help increase okay. early diagnosis, as well as treatment costs, in addition to raising awareness. So actually now we do get more children coming in from about seeing about 120 a year. Now we are getting to almost 200 and over children coming to right. see us in, in my center, in my center alone, which is enough. 
so there's some of the geographic challenges in terms of just being able to 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 get someone from yes, geographic challenges right yes being able to come all the way down because from we get children from way up north which is about 600 kilometers it takes almost 18 hours for them to uh, tra get transport to come all the way to Accra then when they come they have to think about where they're going to stay and pay for the treatment and it is so we do get a high rate of treatment abandonment but treatment abandonment which was uh, more than about 30% when we started in 2010. As at last year, it was less than 9%. Mm -hmm. Because now when the children do come, we are able to offer them the drugs because of assistance with funds from World Child Cancer and other philanthropists in country. I understand. So that's, yes. So our, our outcomes have improved because of what World Child Cancer has done. Well, in addition to the geographic challenges, also you mentioned some of the cancer treatment required is not covered by the state health system. Yes, none so. of the childhood cancer treatment is covered by national health insurance system. Yes, so geographical access and lack of awareness. So they might not know both amongst the general public and the um, health, the frontline health workers in the primary health facilities. And because of this, World Child Cancer's project is quite very holistic. It includes awareness training in the regions and the um, districts for health workers on early presentation, on mm -hmm. the early warning signs of childhood cancer, so that they can recognize them and present early. And also, they also support um, radio and TV um, discussion programs so that we can get the general public on early warning signs of childhood cancers. And also um, there, there's funds for transport costs to help families come in um, to access care. And also um, World Child Cancer has helped um, establish some shared care centers, one way in the far north of the country in Tamale and the others uh, closer down south. So that children, once they are diagnosed and treatment is started here, they could go back there and receive some of the treatment there. And so there wouldn't be so much social upheaval and loss of income that families might incur if they had to stay in Accra for the full duration of treatment. Plus the treatment is not just a one-off visit, right? I mean, you need to come in for follow-up and check isn't. out. It isn't. It isn't. Because um, the shortest treatment that usually could be given is about three months treatment for some of the common lymphomas. But for leukemias, a child might have to receive treatment for up to three years. Right. How are things working in terms of um, collaboration? You mentioned there's some engagement with, uh, with the government. Is there engagement with other development agencies, foundations? I, I understand you, there's some work with, with UBS Optimus, for instance. What's the environment look like there in terms of being able to transform the, the system, the landscape in Ghana? And this is a question for, for either one of you. How, what's, this, what's the dynamic on the ground? I think working in partnership is a big part of what we do. And initially, the, the key partners are the hospitals and doctors in the countries that we're working with. But what we are also trying to do is to get other agencies involved and engaged in childhood cancer 
which has largely been a neglected disease. The world has focused and focused with enormous success on reducing infant mortality and reducing deaths from infectious diseases over the last 25 years. And it's been a massive success story um, in terms of reducing mortality. But, but what that has done, in a sense, is to leave cancer, both adult and childhood cancer, actually, as uh, a growing killer that, that people are now just beginning to turn their attention to. Uh, so we're very much trying to in, encourage that and to make sure that there is proper treatment in this area now. Uh, we started this year a partnership with UBS, which is um, being hugely generous in, in supporting us and enabling us to build a big new project in Africa based on Ghana and on the work that Lorna has done to train new pediatric oncologists and new specialist nurses, but not only for Ghana, but also across West Africa. So we're now starting a regional training hub, which Lorna is leading on, which can transform treatment across, across a large part of sub-Saharan Africa now. And that's a big step forward. And we're very, very excited about the possibilities of that. Um, one of the main partners that World Child Cancer has been getting support from is from the UK aid, DFID. Uh-huh. So um, that's also included aid in training our surgeons so that they could deliver some aspects of medical care with less, uh, what do you call it, improved, yes, improved quality um, access to surgery um, with less trauma to the children and shorter hospital stays using what we call laparoscopy, laparoscopic surgery. There's also been some, um, I think, collaboration with Cell Gene, mm-hmm. Cell Gene, World with Cell Gene, and through that, World Child Cancer is building up diagnostics in pathology and hematology, which are crucial to early diagnosis. So we're enhancing the capacity of our diagnostic services in uh, Ghana through cell gene, mm-hmm. through um, improving training for hematology and pathology. Yes. It's a degree of expertise and um, quality of medicines and diagnostic equipment. Is that actually there if it's uh, if, if money were no constraint yeah yes the expertise is there but through the cell gene funds that have been given to um by um world child cancer we're building on it we're improving it further mm-hmm. um we had limitations to some reagents that would help specific diagnosis what we call immunohistochemistry and immuno and flow cytometry so um through that yes Mm-hmm. That World Child Cancer is equipping Kolibu Hospital to improve on the expertise on the ground. How does a doctor who is um, how does a doctor who is based in let's say the UK volunteer and help out World Child Cancer and or how does a hospital based in the UK get involved and twin with a local institution in Ghana, for instance? How does that work? And yeah, so what we do is. To, to find doctors here who are, you know, at the top of their profession, and we persuade them that actually there's something to give back into countries that don't have all the benefits that uh, exist um, here or in America or, or wherever they are. And actually, people are very willing to give their time to do that. Um, and so we've not had 
difficulty in a sense recruiting volunteers who were willing to come and work with us to do that. And actually what a lot of them have said is that actually there's learning for them too in just what can be achieved in uh, resource settings that are massively sort of lower than than they would norm- ordinarily expect in, in hospitals here. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you know, that sort of gets them to think a bit differently about about uh, how treatment works and, and what success can be. Um, so it kind of works both ways. But of course, the primary uh, thing is to is to support these countries to be able to treat children better. Yes. One sort of technological example of how we've tried to do that is we've fitted microscopes that are uh, sort of internet enabled into um, some of the hospitals so that doctors, wherever they are in the world, can see the same slides and then they can talk to each other about what conclusions to draw from them and, and what treatment should follow. And so in, a, in that sense, they can then share the same results and, and talk about them sort of more or less live um, uh, to, to again, Im- improve the kind of treatment that the kids will then get. So the doctors, it's not necessarily about them traveling to the front lines. I mean, there is some traveling because actually there's, there's, I mean, A, people learn much quicker when they sit in a room together, but also it's important for them to see the resource settings in which doctors are working there so that the solutions are appropriate. Yes. So they do travel and they'll maybe go out for a week, a year or, or something of that sort, um, either with time generously given by their hospital or some of them taking uh, annual holiday to do it. And then we pay for them to go out and they'll spend a week there doing training and supporting each other and, and mentoring and so on. And then the rest of the year do it remotely. Got it. And how do you decide what countries to go into? The first requirement for us, I think, is to find local partners who are ready and and who want us to be involved. So, you know, people have to have to have to be ready and to want us. But there are the truth is there are, you know, more countries that would fit that criteria than we currently work in. And so we are simply constrained by the resources that we've got. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there are, you know, a number of other countries where we're aware, aware of the work that we're doing and we're talking to the doctors there and one day we would love to start a program there. Right. So for example, we are just launching now a an appeal to work in a new country in Nepal in, in Asia, which is uh, up in the Himalayas, of course, one of the poorest countries in Asia. Um, there are two new young pediatric oncologists recently qualified at the, the, the main children's hospital in Kathmandu there. And we're going to raise money now to start a project with them next year. And actually, what we've been successful with that is in a partnership with uh, the UK Aid Programme. They have promised that whatever money we can raise from the public in Britain, they will match that pound for pound uh, so for Nepal, so that the money goes further. So that's very exciting for us now to be to be launching that and to be aiming at a, at a whole new project in Nepal next year. Sure. Tell me, how do you generate philanthropic income and, and support for for World Child Cancer? Where, where do the um, funds come from? How can people get involved? Fundraising is a constant challenge, as it is for uh, all nonprofits, uh, I, I guess. We raise money from from a variety of sources. 
some, as I've just mentioned, from government aid programs, uh, some from trusts and foundations that have that have been established to to support uh, various various uh, interventions. Uh, corporates, companies will support us sometime and make us their charity of the year or or whatever. Wealthy individuals will donate to us, and ordinary people will will donate and. Uh, on our website, you know, there's a button on the top which which encourages donations, and and anybody can donate as as small or large as they can manage. What's the uh, website address? Uh, the website is www.worldchildcancer.org. Mm-hmm. And tell me a little bit more about this matched funding. The appeal runs for uh, three months uh, up to the 21st of January. So it runs through through this three months over Christmas now. Um, and during that period, donations from within the UK will get doubled. Well, good luck with that. I, I, I hope it's a resounding success. And tell me if somebody's listening to this episode and they're based in a country where you don't have a presence, but they might be in the same sort of um, field as you in terms of looking after children with cancer, who may wish to explore collaborating with you in some way. Again, are these things that um, you're open to having these conversations with um, with people who may not be in Ghana or Bangladesh, but maybe they're in Argentina or Brazil? Or yes, absolutely. We're we're happy to talk to people. Um, uh, our resources are limited, so there's a kind of limit to what we can do. But nevertheless, very happy to have those conversations, and and in many ways they're going on all the time anyway. And hopefully, in the future, as we grow, you know, we'd be we'd be happy to expand into into other countries. Maybe one other thing to mention on the partnership front is the World Health Organization that has, in the last year, announced a significant new initiative for childhood cancer, and they sort of for the first time really are now taking this on as a serious topic. Um, they've announced the targets that by 2030, they want to see 60% of all the children who get cancer around the world surviving. That's a major step from where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a pretty ambitious target, but it's one that we're very signed up to. And, um, and we're hoping that their involvement, which doesn't directly bring resources to it because they don't don't have have that, but uh, it brings a lot of influence and a lot of um, impact on governments. We hope who will who will see the need to to spend more of their health budgets on on childhood cancer. It's part of what you do. Uh, if we take the example in Ghana and Lorna, you mentioned that childhood cancer is not something that's covered in the um, the national health system. Are there efforts, fruitful efforts, to get uh, policymakers in the country to reconsider that position, or is, is that a viable uh, option? Yes, yes, um, we are we are in talks with them. We have been in talks with them for quite a while, and we've produced evidence which they are looking at, and. Um, Hopefully, with this WHO initiative, there'll be further uh, impetus for us to be able to get um, a positive response from them to cover childhood cancer under the National Health Insurance Scheme. So we'll be having a meeting in November together with WHO and other major stakeholders and national health and insurance together with Ministry of Health 
And that will be really major on the agenda, one of the main agenda topics will be obviously if we need if we're going to improve outcomes um the resources we need the we need it to be covered actually under health insurance because you can't start treatment and then families can't afford to continue then you would have defeated the purpose for which you brought the child in to start treatment absolutely absolutely lorna in terms of success in the next 10 years what does that look like to you? I know 10 years dovetails very nicely with the sustainable development goals for 2030. Yeah, it, it looks quite bright actually for us in Ghana and hopefully it will spread to the sub-region because we do get referrals from here. But we're trying to, as um, John mentioned earlier, we've um, we've started a pediatric oncology fellowship training program. Okay. And so training more doctors in pediatric as pediatric oncologists so we'll be able to expand the centers and more children will have access. And then they're also training, it's multidisciplinary, they're also training nurses as well. And this would go and uh, obviously improve the quality of care. And so we, we, we really do think that 2030, we should be able to hit close to the, for all the 60%. That would be wonderful. And Lorna, you're a pediatric oncologist. How many people with that qualification are there in Ghana? Well, well, we've got a number in training at the moment, but we've got um, four who are sort of working now in, in pediatric oncology, only four for a country of 29 million people. We've got another five currently in training and we're looking at getting many more within the next couple of years. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yes, absolutely. And John, for you, success in the next 10 years, what does that look like? I think, well, I think in line with, with what the WHO are now doing, I mean, we want this issue to come up the political agenda for countries all around the world and for, uh, and for the public too. And to see that childhood cancer doesn't have to be a death certificate for children any longer. It's largely curable and it's, it's a horrible disease not to have treatment of and we need to change that and to make sure that every child gets treatment. Yes, no, absolutely, absolutely. As far as key takeaways, if our, um, if our audience forgot everything we've been speaking about for the last half hour, but they walked away with one key thought, parting um, bit of wisdom that you want them to remember after the podcast, what's the key takeaway that, um, that you wish our audience to keep in mind after the podcast? I would say that um, together, that's not only me, you and all of us listening, together we can offer children with cancer, wherever they are in the world, um, the opportunity to achieve their potential. That's to live life to the full, at least 50 to 60 years of, um, of productive life mm. following treatment for childhood cancer. And that should be something we can do together. Yes, very, very good. And John? Well, I would say that because childhood cancer is curable, it is a moral imperative that we get treatment to the children who currently die of it, who could be cured. Indeed, indeed. Very good parting thoughts from both of you. And I extend sincere thanks for, for your time. I know, John, you're in, you're in London, Lorna, out there in Ghana. I know you collaborate closely, and I know you're doing some great work and I appreciate your time and your insight, and I hope that your story resonates with a lot of our audience and that they get in touch 
and, uh, and look how you might be able to improve the world together. Thank you very much, both of you. I really appreciate it. And to our listeners, before you, you go away, please subscribe to this podcast and share. It makes a, a world of difference. It's very much appreciated. It's a labor of love, uh, this podcast, and the feedback is always very good. So if you have any feedback as well about this episode or any others, please drop me a note at ligi.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. Thank you so much, very much to both of you. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much, Alberto. This is such a good opportunity for us to get the word out there. So we're really, really pleased with this. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Do One Better podcast. If you want to find out more about our show, about our guests, additional links and resources, visit our website at ligi.org. That's L-I-D-J-I And don't forget, success at the Do One Better podcast is about inspiring you to be more philanthropic, to think more about sustainability, and to embrace social entrepreneurship. Hopefully, these stories will encourage you to take action and change the world around you for the better. <laughs>